At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 289. On Now You Know. We're brought to you, as always, by our amazing Patreon patrons. You can help support us, bring you independent news every week by heading over to patreon.com slash now you know. There's really great perks over there you're going to want to check out. And we're also brought to you by BigBattery.com. No matter what you need to power, Big Battery can provide you with the latest battery tech at the best price per kilowatt hour, guaranteed. Now, hold on. My golf cart, for example, already has batteries in it. Why would I want to upgrade to lithium? You have a golf cart? Well, lithium-ion batteries are not only safer compared to traditional lead-acid batteries, but they save you space and weight in every application, and Big Battery makes packs that last up to 10 years or more. Pick up yours today at BigBattery.com and use code NOWYOUKNOW for 10% off. Today's show is sponsored by Extra. What's Extra again? Extra is the first debit card that lets you build your credit and earn reward points just like a credit card. So? So there are over 100 million Americans who don't want or can't get a credit card. So what? So how do they establish a credit rating? All right. I mean, that was me when I turned 18. You insisted that I build credit by getting a credit card, but it was really hard to find one. Yeah, it's like the old chicken and the egg. You don't have credit, so how do banks trust you with a credit card? Right. I remember my first card that I finally got after days of research. The spending limit was like $250, and I was so afraid to use it. If extra had existed back then, it would have been so much easier for you. Building a good credit score is so vital, and extra helps you do this without going into debt. So how does it work? Well, users connect Extra to their bank account with no credit check. When you swipe your Extra card, Extra pays for the purchase and then auto pays themselves back from your bank account the next business day. Oh, I wish I could get my credit cards to pay themselves back the next day. At the end of the month, all your payments are tallied and Extra reports them to credit bureaus. Wait, so you can build up your credit score without paying any interest. Right. And with Extra, you earn up to 1% redeemable reward points for every purchase you make. So sign up with Extra using the link below. And start building your credit today with a debit card. Yes, a debit card. So Elon recently tweeted, working on Master Plan Part 3. Oh no, Elon has a master plan? What, like Dr. Evil? Well, no. I mean, Elon has been working off a master plan since 2006. 16 years ago, his first master plan was this. Build sports car. Use that money to build an affordable car. Use that money to build an even more affordable car while doing above, also provides zero-emission electric power generation options. Wait, this was back in 2006? Yeah, so this was right around when they were thinking of making the original Roadster, and I think that most people can understand how that plan actually went into place. Yeah, it's good to have a plan. And then 10 years later, in 2016, he came out with his master plan, Part Do. Do? 
It's uh, French for two. And that plan was create stunning solar roofs with seamlessly integrated battery storage, expand the electric vehicle product line to address all major segments, develop a self-driving capability that's 10 times safer than manual via massive fleet learning, enable your car to make money for you when you aren't using it. So that was part two? Do. Do? Yeah. But isn't he not done with part do? We still don't have a Cybertruck or full self-driving. Well, he wasn't completely done with part one when part do came out. Oh, I see. Yeah, it, it's good to keep, you know, pushing forward. So what's going to be in part three? Revelations. Revelations. Well, I want to hear what everyone thinks first. You know, before I tell you what I think, pause the video. Comment down below, what do you think will be in Elon's part three? Because if I tell you it's going to, you might say, no, I'm not going to be influenced by what you say, Zach and Jesse, but you might. Like, I want to know actually what you think, because I don't know. I probably am not thinking about what you're thinking. And while you're pausing it, maybe go join us on Patreon at the $2 level. You can join our Patreon polls and hopefully we'll capture some data there because we're going to put a poll about this right there. But hang on, before we get to our conjectures, uh, Elon did just tweet, main Tesla subjects will be scaling to extreme size, which is needed to shift humanity away from fossil fuels and AI. But I will also include sections about SpaceX, Tesla, and the Boring Company. So wait, he's shifting away from AI? Or is he saying main Tesla subjects will be scaling to extreme size? Comma. And AI. Oh, right. Okay, kind of, yeah. So he's not shifting away from AI. English teachers, <laughs> let us know what you think. You know, we can send him corrections. All right, so what do you think is going to be in part three? I mean, obviously, I think Tesla bot is going to be in part three. This is something mm. that he talks about a lot. If, he, if we're talking about Tesla subjects, I mean, I think Tesla insurance, more energy storage. I mean, in part two, he only basically talked about the power wall. Right. I mean, now we that's have mega pack, giga pack. Exactly. I don't know if there's going to be terapacks or what. So definitely some talk of more energy storage because i mean just increasing the number of projects is it seems like already tesla's goal tesla network mm. i mean this is already talked about in part duh but uh definitely continued and of course what we're talking about there is kind of like uber except they're all teslas and they all drive themselves mm -hmm. and they might be your car for all we know how about gigafactories galore i mean if you're going to be talking expansion maybe he'll be talking about you know all the new gigafactory locations or something right. or will he be that specific I mean, probably not yeah. And then, I mean, so then there's also like obviously auto bidder. The AI energy bidding platform. Right. Which goes right along to maybe Tesla's going to become a utility, mm. um, which also goes into, you know, Elon has said that they want to do an HVAC system. Mm. Um, it sounds like it had been, you know, air sourced heat pumps, although mm -hmm. I like geothermal mm. a bit better for. Oh, a lot better. For the northern hemisphere, the northern parts uh, of the world. Tesla planes. Yeah, I think maybe an electric maybe? plane. I mean, it's something that he said that he's wanted to do, but never has got, you know, had time Okay, well, that's for. all Tesla stuff. He said he's going to talk about SpaceX and stuff, too. So what other things? Obviously, Starlink. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of a big one, especially as we've been talking about Ukraine. They've been sending Starlink uh, terminals to Ukraine, and mm -hmm. they've been very helpful there. Also, the Boring Company maybe even Hyperloop. We haven't heard any talk about Hyperloop mm. since Elon brought it up. He kind of was like... One day was like, hey, we should build tunnels and also maybe Hyperloop. Well, a bunch of companies have started that are working on that. So maybe sure. he's, you know, happy with that. Yeah. Starship. Yeah. And that, I mean, brings up like Mars mm. and, and stuff like that. Are we going to finally start to talk about Mars as part of the master plan? Mm. Um, but I got to talk about labor here. If you're going to talk about Tesla bots, we got to talk about how that's going to change life for humans. And so UBI, universal basic income or something, because once all these people are replaced by robots, uh, what are we supposed to do? Uh, but here's my question. Why part three now? I mean, part duh isn't even done yet. 
Well, I mean, part one wasn't done when he came out with part two. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, part two. So I think that it makes sense that you come out with part three. As you're completing part two, kind of? Yeah. I just hope he answers the big one that I hear a lot, which is, why are you spending so much money on Mars? We need the money here. And it's like, the money's being spent here. You do know that, right? Right. Yeah, it's really actually difficult to get money to Mars. Like, (laughs) I've tried Venmo. I've tried wiring it. Even Western Union doesn't seem to offer services to Mars. So when he came out with part two, this was right right around the time of the solar city acquisition mm. for tesla and i don't know if everyone remembers but the whole world seemed to think that that was the worst idea in the whole world but basically he was going hey guys remember how i said that i wanted to have solar products in part one that was 10 years ago yeah don't be so surprised that we acquired solar city everyone guys and i just think all of us tesla shareholders Disclaimer, by the way, we are long Tesla shareholders. Mm-hmm. Get to see the word scaling to extreme size and get awfully excited. Yeah. So speaking about things that Tesla is going to expand into, mm-hmm. uh, this week Forbes reported that Tesla will be looking to offer Tesla insurance in Oregon and Virginia next. So these will be the sixth and seventh states to get Tesla insurance. And I mean, I guess it's the same as Arizona, Illinois, Ohio and Texas. This is going to be based on the driver score. Yes, it's based on driver score, but different from all those states. This time, Tesla is underwriting the insurance themselves. What does that mean? I'm not like an insurance guy. Okay, so up to this point, Tesla has been partnering with other insurance companies in the states they operate in to basically do the underwriting. And what underwriting means is that you actually do the math, the actuarial tables to figure out the true cost over time of insuring a certain thing. So let's say you called up an insurance company for a quote to insure your car. Mm -hmm. Underwriting would look up tables to find out the chances that you'll get into an accident using data like the area you live in, how much you drive, your driving record, the car you drive, etc. And up until now, most of this math is based on you as a part of a larger group. What Tesla can do as an underwriter is use your data. So how did you drive last month, for example? How often did you speed? How often did you almost rear end somebody? And it can update your premium based on your actual driving. That means if you're a safe driver in a typically unsafe demographic, you can benefit by getting a lower premium. Conversely, if you're a bad driver, but you happen to be in a relatively safe demographic, your premiums will be higher than average. So in my opinion, this makes premiums fair for the first time. No longer am I, as a very safe driver, subsidizing the other bozos on the road who text while driving, for example. And the way that they do that is by using Tesla Safety Score Beta, which, in my opinion, isn't a perfect system for determining No, safety. not yet. I think to a certain extent, it definitely identifies like some of the worst drivers out on the road. But I do think that it's going to be kind of weird to have a car insurance premium that without you getting into accidents or getting any tickets is going to be going up or down depending on how you're driving. Right. I mean, I think it could have a huge impact on how everyone drives. I think if you get in the car and you're aware that like, oh, man, I could save some money if I just drive better, you might drive better. And this is something that other insurance companies have been trying to kind of do by using like your smartphone, but it can really only tell if you were like braking hard or accelerating quickly. And that doesn't really tell them that much. Right. So if Forbes is right and Tesla's underwriting, this is huge news. Yeah. I mean, Tesla started offering insurance in California in 2019 and now being in seven states, it shows that they're well on their way to expanding into more of the U.S. This, mark my words, could be a huge thing, just like we talked about two years ago on In-Depth. We went into all the math on how much this could generate in revenue and income for Tesla. It's definitely worth checking out. 
I forgot how much work we put into that episode. Yeah, we'll put the link down below. So let's talk about Tesla raising their prices. Uh, Tesla's cheapest car now is the $47,000 Model 3 rear-wheel drive. It went up $2,000 last week. Went up from $44,900 to $46,990. The Model 3 dual-motor all-wheel drive went up $2,500 last week. Uh, and that was after it had already gone up $1,000 the week before. It's wow. now at $54,500. Now, I just want to ask, uh, a buddy of yours just got a new Model 3. Um, he had signed up for it a, you know, a while ago and just mm -hmm. got it delivered a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. what, did, what did he pay? Uh, he paid $49,990. So, I mean, that means technically could he have driven out into the parking lot and went like, I'll sell my Tesla for $5,000 more than I bought it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, basically, that's what his delivery specialist said. That's unheard. I mean... We all kind of know that when you buy a new car, you immediately drive off the lot and lose a huge oh, chunk right. of money. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's really weird because most people will tell you, like, never buy a new car. Why? Because you're going to lose all the value driving right off the lot. Uh, not so when you're buying a Tesla, apparently for some people. And I mean, let's be clear. I think that there's also a lot of people who still ordered a Model 3 long range who are going to go pick up their Model 3 long range for $50,000 when the price is now $55,000. Right, I mean, it's nice that Tesla's honoring that price. Yes. <clears throat> Rivian. <coughs> but the Model 3 Performance also went up $3,000 to $61,990. The Model Y all-wheel drive went up $2,000 to $62,990. The Model Y Performance went up $3,000 to $67,990. The Model S went up $5,000 to $99,990. $100,000. Yeah. Wow. The Model X, which had escaped many previous price increases, now went up $10,000 to $114,990. Model S Plaid is now $135,990. The Model X Plaid is now the most expensive Tesla at $138,990. Now, the thing to keep in mind, like I just mentioned, is that anyone who has previously ordered the car before these price increases is as far as we know, going to keep the price that they agreed to. And also, I mean, even us Tesla owners who have existing cars, I mean, if we went to sell them tomorrow, I'm pretty sure the value has gone up. Now, is it because all of these Teslas have gotten that much better? No. Uh, they're no, I mean, be... it's inflation and supply chain, right? And I mean, I, I think a lot of analysts are going to be like, whoa, that's it for Tesla. But I think the demand is still there. And I think that it was smart that they were steadily increasing prices the whole time. It just made this a little bit less jarring right. for most people. Yeah, it's a lot like the lobster in the pot, right? As mm -hmm. the temperature goes up slowly, you're not noticing as much. Right. Um, but you know what? Some good news. Tesla did reduce the price of one model. I think we covered all of the models. What is it? The Tesla wall connector. Okay. What, what is it at now? It went from $550 to $495. 10% decrease. That's pretty good, huh? <laughs> 55 bucks off. Now, speaking of the Model Y, currently the Model Y long range has an EPA range of 330 miles. But you know what? I saw on the EPA website the other day that a 2022 Model Y all-wheel drive has a 279-mile range and an MPGE of 123. This is versus the Model Y all-wheel drive long range with an MPGE of 122. Could this be the new... Model Y, like one with the 4680s? That's what I'm thinking. I mean, could this be what's going to be built at Giga Texas and Giga Berlin? I mean, comment below your thoughts because 
I don't understand why they would have such a range decrease. I mean, remember when Model Y came out and there was going to be like a base model that was going to have a you know, cheaper price, but mm-hmm. then Elon kind of offered it, didn't it? It was out for a little while and then he kind of took it back. I think it was out for maybe a couple of days and then it was offered in China for a little bit. It's not the base Model Y because it's all wheel drive. Right. It, the, the true base model was going to just be rear wheel drive. Or is this LFP batteries? I don't know. There's so many questions and not enough answers. But I think existing Model Y customers who are waiting for their Model Ys and ones who are signing up now are going to be a little bit maybe hesitant till they find out. And I think this could give a bump in uh, deliveries and demand because I think people are going to want to wait to see what they're actually going to get. Mm. But check this out. New vehicle registration data in from the U.S. from Experian Automotive Vio for Q4 of 2021. And it shows that Tesla has a 70 percent market share here in the U.S., Number two is uh, Nissan at (laughs) 8.5%. Yeah, that's quite a differential. Wow. Let's take a look at it countrywide on a map here. Um, Here's the data broken down by state. No surprise, obviously, that California leads the nation. But look at the percentage. A whopping 35.3% EVs sold. In the state of California. Yeah. Wow. Florida comes in second at 7.9%, which really surprised me. And Texas is third at 6%. I mean, these are not tiny numbers anymore. No. I mean, obviously you have states like, you know, Wyoming, which show 0%, but you know, there's not as many people there. And and these cars don't really fit that state that well. But wait till the Cybertruck comes out though. Yes. And if you'd like to help out our channel, please consider hitting the like button. It's free. It takes two seconds. And we can go on with the show. And thank you to Cybertruck Owners Club. They sponsor this show. And there you're going to find a crowdsource reservation tracker where you can update and find your place in line for your Cybertruck. You can check out their website for Cybertruck news, discussions, and community for Cybertruck enthusiasts and future owners. So Ethan and I just finished reviewing the Evader C3 e-bike over on Nallet's review channel. It's a really interesting bike. It's a mid-drive, which means that it's made for people who really like biking. It pedals with you. So unlike a lot of cheaper e-bikes, the motor is geared with you. Wow. So much more like that really nice specialized uh, bike with the mid-motor that we tested a while ago. But with a much more attainable price tag. Right. Because, I mean, the specialized was like, wasn't that like over $4,000? Yes. And this is less. I think that this could be a great bike for someone who likes biking, but maybe hates hills or getting home once they've tuckered themselves out. Now, I used to not understand the difference between mid-drive and hub motorbikes. I mean, I couldn't understand why purists were willing to pay so much more for mid-drive models. But now that we've reviewed both, I mean, I can understand the pros and cons of them. And you can go check out the full review over on our Now Let's Review channel. And while you're there, let us know in the comments of our videos about episodes that you'd like us to make. So Canadian-based Taiga has officially started deliveries of their much-touted 2022 Nomad electric snowmobile. Our very own Ethan and Steven went up to Vermont to go for a spin and check them out for us. We'll be bringing you all the details in an upcoming Now Let's Review channel video, so make sure you subscribe and hit the bell button on Now Let's Review channel so you don't miss that. You might remember that Taiga went public last year and raised $100 million. We're going to talk more about that aspect of the story on the Now You Know Investor Club bonus stories this week, so go join us on Patreon for that. Now, there are three different models of the Taiga snowmobile, starting with the Nomad, which is being built in Montreal, and that's the one that's coming out right now. Price for the Nomad starts at $15,000 for the standard version, and it has a range of 100 kilometers. And as you can see here, you can get the much heavier Performance Edition, which obviously has more batteries, that has a bigger range, 134 kilometers. There's the Atlas with a 103 kilometer range and a zero to 60 of 3.7. And the Echo with a 98 kilometer range and a zero to 60 of 4.1 seconds. And I mean, we're going to talk about this more in the Investor Club bonus story, but I guess my 
questions that I can't wait to see Ethan talking about on Knowledge Review is like, I hear these are going to be awesome because they're going to be quiet mm-hmm. and they're not going to smell, which is awesome. But is the range enough for most snowmobilers? Because I feel like when you go out snowmobiling, you got to know that you've got whatever range you have and that you can get back. Unlike electric four-wheeled vehicles, which can charge, uh, I, I think when you're out in the wilderness, unless, uh, you know, Tyga's going to take care of this, you, you can't just charge while you're out there and you can't charge very fast. I mean, with a Tesla supercharge, you can stop and get a cup of coffee. Uh, I don't think you're going to want to wait like three hours in the forest to charge, even if there was a charging station. Yeah, I don't know if this is going to be more tailored for like resorts and places because, I mean, a hundred kilometer range would be perfect for, you know, a trail out through the mountains. And, you know, then you come back and you have a nice, you know, warm cup of hot cocoa. And I mean, maybe you, you know, put a a charging station out in the middle of the woods uh, along that trail. So that way, you know, you stop halfway through and you get a little bit of extra charge and then you continue on your way back. There are some things we do know, though, and we will tell you about those on our Investor Club bonus story. So Unity was a Swedish startup electric car company that was started in 2015. You may remember that we visited them on one of our trips to Europe. All right. We like their Unity One concept car so much that we tried to steal it. He's he's distracted. Yeah, he's distracted. He's He's already in. Uh, but you said Unity was a Swedish startup? Yeah, unfortunately, they are calling it quits. CEO Lewis Horn sent investors, of which we were one, an email last week saying that Unity couldn't raise enough money on its latest round to continue operations and they will be declaring bankruptcy. He said, due to our wonderful group of investors and supporters, we were able to consistently gain enough capital to survive, but only with an ever-shrinking team. To continue taking in capital that is only enough to survive places far too much external dependency on the company and therefore far too much risk on those individuals who keep us going. For this reason, we now need to file for bankruptcy out of necessity. Unity was trying to relocate to the UK for production, but there is a lot of competition in this space, and it just shows how hard it is to go from designing a prototype to full production. Yeah, I mean, we really love their little car. It's uh, reminiscent to me of like Eli, uh, you know, a little micro Mm -hmm. car that's all you need in a city. The Unity had this cool idea, which is you could have a suitcase size battery that you could take with you so you could charge it in your home or office and then bring it out to the car. And that was we thought that was really cool. At least back in 2016 or whatever, when we were out there. But I mean, we kept just seeing the concepts kind of just drag on and we kept waiting for, okay, like, it's great. Let's make it. Let's Mm -hmm. go. And it just kept being like, "Uh uh-huh. Well, maybe we're working on it. Yeah. It's kind of easy to come up with a prototype relatively to how hard it is to go into production because you need to find a factory and pay for the factory and then, you know, do all of the production. It's just like... It's monumental. And that's why so many companies, and we're looking at you, Rivian, and others like that, are having trouble right now. Mm -hmm. And this is why I am a big proponent of electric vehicles. But I'm not going to be as rah, rah, rah about every single one of them. I really, we need to see a strong company foundation with a good plan and all the right things. And even then, even with all the right pieces in place, you still might not succeed because, again, production is really, really hard. And we bring that experience to our Now You Know Investor Club because, I mean, we've seen companies that have made it and companies that haven't. And you learn a lot by watching that process. Yeah. Now, remember we reported on our next energy, a.k.a. One, the Detroit-based battery startup a few months ago. Weren't they the one? 
that put their own Gemini battery into a Tesla Model S and drove 752 miles back in December. That's the one. Whoa. Uh, they just raised 65 million primarily through BMW iVentures, and they're now looking for locations for their first battery plant in the U.S. One announced that they have contracts with four customers to provide 25 gigawatt hours of batteries over the next five years. So let's do the math. That would be enough batteries for about 300,000 cars. And I just want to go back to their Gemini battery range test that they did in a Tesla. A regular old Tesla Model S has an EPA range of 396 miles. Right. One did 752 miles, but we don't know much else about the test other than that a third party threw the car up on a dynamometer and actually got 882 miles of range going 55 miles an hour, obviously with no wind. Right. So, I mean, this could be exciting. A lot of people are talking about it, but... Do you need 750 miles of range? Well, first I want to point out the battery pack they put back in the Tesla with their Gemini battery had more cells in it. They packed in more cells. So it wasn't like they had a higher energy density necessarily. It was that they just put more battery in the car. And it wasn't that they were necessarily selling that car to someone and, and oh, okay, well, I guess I just don't have as much room in the trunk or something. Uh, it We don't know what it looked like on the inside. You know, they showed us it driving, which is great. And I believe that it got, went, you know, 752 miles. It's just, yeah, I could have taken a couple of extra Tesla Model S modules, put them in the back of the car, plugged them in, you know, done some uh, electronic magic and whoop-de-doo, I could have had extra range. We don't even know if this is a new cell technology or if it's just basically a different way to pack them. Right. I don't want to be negative about this battery. It's just, again, the question of, you know, to go from a car that already had a really stellar range of 400 give or take miles you know yeah it's it's great that you almost doubled it but do, does anybody need that and what is going to be the cost yeah i mean one kept talking about how this would alleviate range anxiety and i'm like i don't think anyone who drives a tesla ever really feels range anxiety and i mean you're still going to need to charge it right it's not like it's not like you just plug it in one day right. and you forget about it for you know a no, month there's so little data about what else this battery offers that i am kind of surprised that so many companies are signing up to get their batteries. And I am very skeptical that it's going to really work. So you remember John Bernal from the YouTube channel AI Addict? Yeah, we showed his video last month of the first Tesla crash in FSD beta that was caught on video. Right. John was actually an employee of Tesla's as a data annotation specialist in August of 2020. And then as an advanced driver assistance systems test operator, where he was involved helping to develop FSD and test operating the software. According to John, quote, I was fired from Tesla in February with my YouTube being cited as the reason why, even though my uploads are for my personal vehicle off company time or property with software I paid for. Now, we checked and Tesla's internal social media policy says Tesla relies on the common sense and good judgment of its employees to engage in responsible social media activity. So what do you think? Should Tesla have fired John for posting this video? I mean, a lot of people have been talking about this. The big thing is like, you know, Tesla is being petty and they're firing people, blah, blah, blah. I think personally, if I was working for Tesla in that same capacity and I really like my job, I would have thought twice about posting it in the way that John did. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's fine to have posted the video of what happened because I think he was just showing us what happened. But let's be clear. He was driving the car when it crashed because uh, he took over even before it hit the bollard. Mm -hmm. A. B. He didn't take over soon enough, in my opinion. And C. The thumb he put up and the title is 
pretty incendiary. It's pretty clickbaity for YouTube. I mean, look, he's gotten over 250,000 clicks and that's not what Tesla wanted. They don't want to be touting crashes. And I can understand that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to call it a crash, he bumped into a plastic bollard, which right. didn't do that much damage to the vehicle. Right. I got to imagine if that was a person or a, a pole, he would have taken over much sooner. And, you know, because he knew that route and he knew those were plastic. So, I mean, you know, he wanted to see what would happen, which is fine for a tester to do. I just feel like you were working for the company. And if you use common sense, in my opinion, most people would say that's not how you post. Now, on the other hand, we don't work for Tesla. Mm-hmm. So when we go out and do a video, we can put any kind of thumb we want. Right. Uh, there is the danger that they could take us off of the full self-driving beta program um, if we did something truly extraordinarily dangerous or, or if we got into an accident like that, I suppose. But honestly, I think we're very fair. Like when we're showing the video, we're showing how we have different personalities behind the wheel and how the car reacts in good and bad situations. So, I mean, again, just kind of like John, we're not trying to diss the company. We're just trying to show you what it's up to. Right. But yeah, I'd like to know your thoughts about whether you think John should have been fired. So Whole Mars Catalog tweeted out, sync your Tesla driver profiles to the cloud. Flame, flame, flame. Elon said, took us way too long. Right. I mean, uh, if you remember a while ago, Elon said that this was going to be a future feature. He said that back in December of 2019. So, I mean, it only took two years. Uh, But now you might be saying, wow, two years to make such a simple software change. But I mean, think about why this feature is really needed. Right. It's not for your average Tesla owner uh, because... You can store a bunch of Tesla users in your car already. I know that some people, you know, buy a Tesla and then they buy a second Tesla. Not everyone can really do that. So, you know, uploading it to the cloud doesn't really help. Is it for Tesla owners renting through Turo or Hertz and others? Yeah, I mean, that's got to be the reason. Even if you own a second or third Tesla, you can still store your name in those cars and just hop in and hit your name. But yes, if you go and get in a Turo or Hertz and you're like, hmm, I took a lot of time to set up my driver profile and it's <laughs> going to take me five minutes to do it. Right. Now you can just get in there and go, oh, there I am. Could it be for Turo or Hertz or could it be... The Tesla network. The Tesla network. Although, why do you need to adjust your driver profile? Mm. Because are you, you're not going to be driving. Yes, but I mean, we all know that driver profile means a lot of your other preferences as well. Okay. And I mean, in the future, it could mean even more things like, oh, what streaming services do you want to have available? That's true. But I mean, I guess my other question is, why did it take so long, as Elon said? I mean, he, he admitted it took too long. Is that because software is harder than it looks? Or is it because Tesla's software team is too small or focused on other things? I think that they were focused on other things. It just doesn't seem like it was a need. It was more of a want uh, because, I, again, yeah, I think that most of the time, if you do have two Teslas, I'm not going to speak for everybody. I think that one is yours and the other one is your spouse's or somebody else. Think of the big selling point, though, when the Tesla network does open up. Like if you were to get in an Uber today and you could hit a button and that car would adapt to what you like, your temperature, your music, you know, your seat position, uh, that would be a cool feature. Now in the future, Teslas should be able to offer that. So Chevy has issued a recall for the Hummer EV. They said in these vehicles, embedded software in the tail lamps can cause one or both rear tail lamps to A, become inoperative, or B, remain fully or partially illuminated. If the tail lamp is inoperative, all tail lamp functions, brake light, turn signal, backup lamp, side marker, clearance lamp, and tail light will be disabled. If a tail lamp remains fully or partially illuminated, some or all of these tail lamp functions will remain activated at all times, even after the vehicle is turned off. Okay. 
but I mean, why are we reporting on this? this? Is a software thing? I'm sure with an over-the-air update, they've probably already fixed it. Uh, no. Uh, Hummer EV owners will have to bring their cars into dealers and have the whole tail lamp assembly replaced. Even though it's software. Software in the tail lamp, like firmware in the tail lamp that you can't get to without basically, I think, replacing. I mean, I, maybe they can plug something in and replace the firmware, but it sounds like they're just going to have to ditch the whole tail lamp. So <laughs> I, I'm sorry. How long has GM been making cars with tail lamps? Well, with tail lamps that you can over there update, not never. R right. I know. But I, I'm just saying like oh, the embedded software in the well, think about it. GM has dealer networks that they want to give them service for. So they don't want to take this. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't just supposed to be like, oh, well, you know what? This is going to make the dealers happy. It is. I mean, in a way, they're going to get paid. I Well, yeah, but that's not the why they did it. They were like, uh, Bob, should I put the, the wrong tail lamps in there? No, I'm saying that I, they're not incentivized to do over-the-air updates. It's not built into their culture. It's built into their culture to be like, when you need a new pot, bring it down to your Chevy dealer. Right. And, and luckily, only 10 Hummers were recalled, which kind of shows that only 10 Hummer EVs were built up until the end of January. <laughs> Um, when people are like, Zach and Jesse, why do you keep saying that you think that GM is going to fail? It's it's, it's numbers. It's, it's data. It's kind of yeah. like things like this. Like, mm -hmm. And you might say, well, this is only 10 Hummers, Zach and Jesse. Because that's all yeah, they made. That's all they made, first of all. That's a little red flag. <laughs> the second is that they made a car that they can't fix. And the tail lamps already I, failed? I, like, mm -hmm. what? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's move on to Ford. Yeah. So members of the F-150 Lightning Forum gained access to the Mulroney stickers of the two versions of the Ford F-1 Lightning. Oh, right. Those are the stickers on the car that give you kind of the breakdown of all the data. So uh, base model Ford F-150 Lightning looks like it gets 68 miles per gallon equivalent and 230 miles of range, while the Platinum Series gets 66 miles per gallon equivalent and 300 miles of range. So... I think that this is tough for a lot of people. MPGE or miles per gallon equivalent. Right. It's not a very technical comparison. It relates to the total amount of energy used and it doesn't really help EV drivers. This is mainly for non-EV drivers so that they can compare their ICE cars. But they also included kilowatt hours per 100 miles, which you can then more easily convert to watt hours per mile, which Tesla uses. So let's do the math for you, giving us efficiency for the base F-150 model. Uh, of 490 watt hours per mile and the platinum model gets 510 watt hours per mile but oh my gosh i mean that is like more than double what a model three uses sure but i mean this is a pickup truck it's not a model three but it's horrible it's so inefficient well it's going to be replacing a gas pickup truck but i mean look at the mulroney sticker they're only going to be seeing a fuel savings of like fifteen hundred dollars in five years okay but if you read the fine print, that's compared to the average new vehicle, not a comparable vehicle. So we're not comparing apples to apples here, unfortunately. See, I don't this sticker makes me so mad because instead of comparing it to your existing pickup truck, mm -hmm. it's comparing it to the average like fleet, which is mainly sedans. <laughs> OK, for context, the Rivian R1T pickup only gets 70 MPGE or 480 watt hours per mile. Slightly more efficient, but it's a much smaller truck than the F-150. Wait, OK, so. If the $1,500 is wrong, what would be the fuel cost comparison for a gas Ford F-150? Okay, well, F-150s come in all shapes and sizes, but the most efficient versions get 25 miles per gallon. So let's do the math. If we take the current gas prices, 
you'd be spending about $2,550 a year if you travel the average 15,000 miles a year that we do here in the US. So that's $12,765 in five years of gas money versus the Lightning electric vehicle, which would be using about 750 kilowatt hours per year and we'll take the average electricity prices would be costing about $750 a year or $3,750 for five years. That's a savings of over $9,000 in five years. So the Mulroney sticker is wrong. I mean, even if we're gonna take normal gas prices, we're still talking about you know, over $4,000 in savings. Right. And I mean, I know there are a bunch of people who drive their trucks way more than 15,000 miles a year, and that would mean an even bigger savings. And again, we're talking about the best case F-150. Some of the more thirsty gas models, we're talking like 19 miles per gallon. In more expensive fuel states like California, let's say 25,000 miles a year, you could be seeing savings as high as $5,000 a year. And that's taking into account higher electricity prices for the state of California. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the problem with most people who go buy cars. They're not looking at the total cost of ownership. They're just looking at the sticker price. Mm -hmm. And you really got to do some math. So it really sucks that the Mulroney sticker is kind of doing a disservice misleading. To, the, to the lightning. Um, and I think because it was designed back when we were only talking one type of car. Right. And now it's like... Uh, yeah, it's, it's a the comparison is so vastly different. And for the people who are saying like, yeah, but these trucks are so inefficient. Yeah, but you're, you're replacing a gas pickup truck. And I mean, Pete Buttigieg, if you're watching, Secretary of Transportation, change the damn Mulroney sticker because it is misleading the American public. Okay, Jesse, what do Starbucks, Volvo, and ChargePoint all have in common? Hmm, coffee, cars, Seinfeld? Nope, that's charging. Um, I'll give you a hint. Take a look at this picture. Oh, they're partnering to make a charging network? That's right. Volvo announced they are going to test a CCS EV charging network from Seattle to Denver with up to 60 Volvo branded ChargePoint DC fast chargers in up to 15 Starbucks locations by the end of this year. So is this only for Volvo EVs? Nope. Uh, according to Volvo, they say they'll open this to any CCS compatible EV with up to four charger stalls per location. And these are set no more than 100 miles apart. So basically any EV should be able to make it between them. Only for stalls per location but uh so why seattle to denver well they say it's a test um i think they're looking to see whether this works financially for all three partners and i think they chose seattle to denver because it's probably they probably did the math through different zones of the, the united states and this was probably one of the cheapest to start with There's a lot of starbucks locations around seattle there you go that seems to to make sense now i mean i think this really does make sense um to partner like this right we talked about this on a uh, in depth over a year ago you're going to need more chargers and you're going to need bigger lot of land so having a whole foods market means that ev drivers will shop and they will shop in many cases for longer than they would have otherwise According to Wall Street Journal, retailers that get shoppers to linger in their stores see sales of 20 to 40 percent more. And stats that I've found show that the average shopper spends about $50 per visit, both at Walmart and Whole Foods. Isn't that funny? It makes a lot of sense for a charging company, you know, ChargePoint, to, who makes chargers, to partner with like a Starbucks or a Whole Foods or something, a place, a destination, a place you want to go to for 20 minutes or 30 minutes to spend money, and for a car company to partner with them so that they can get their cars featured at those chargers. So like when you pull in, you'd be like, oh, Volvo has an EV. So Ford has announced their European expansion plans for Ford Model E, their fully electric division. 
Ford claims that they will have nine all-electric models in Europe by 2024. So that's the three new electric passenger vehicles that they're coming out with and four new electric commercial vehicles, plus the two existing electric models they already have, the Mach-E and the E-Transit. Ford says that they plan to sell more than 600,000 electric vehicles in Europe by 2026. Okay, so I just want to discuss this for a second because that sounds really impressive. Nine models, uh, 600,000 cars. But let's uh, look at uh, what we already know. Uh, Tesla has what's called Giga Berlin, and uh, that is opening as we speak. And let's just say that that's all Tesla has in Europe in 2026. So we go forward four years. Mm -hmm. Tesla doesn't build out any new Giga factories there. And let's say that Giga Berlin gets up to a million cars a year production, Mm -hmm. and then it never goes past that. I think that's being pretty conservative. I see. And if Ford meets their goal of 600,000 cars per year, that still leaves them in the dust four years from now. I mean, this is like, you know, uh, the the football team comes into the locker room at halftime and the coach is like, all right, guys, I know that we're down by 10, but uh, Stewie, you had some plays, right? Yeah, I got, I got, I got nine plays. Nine, nine plays. Pla- wow, guys. Yeah. Stewie has got... Nine plays. Yeah, I, I did the math, coach, and now uh, we should be able to make up six points uh, at the end of the game. You hear that, guys? Stewie says we're going to make uh, six points. Uh, and- coach, coach, uh, I'm not good at math, but uh, we're down by 10, and, and Stewie said we can make up six points. That still leaves five, uh, four, th- three, four, four points left. What, what, what do we do with that? Shut up, Jenkins. I mean, nine plays. Nine plays. Do you think that the other team can pull out nine plays? I don't think so. Okay, coach. Yeah. I don't I just don't understand this thing where it's like we're going to have all these models. And it's like that's great. I I think that it's awesome to give people more choice, but if you're not going to be making enough and also to those, satisfy demand, those models are probably going to be built on the VW MEB platform. So you're going to be beholden to VW, who's only going to give you batteries after they've got enough batteries. Yeah. My guess now, uh, I'm going to update my plan here for Ford, is that Ford is not going to go bankrupt. They're going to merge or be bought out by VW because that's going to be the only way they're going to survive. Uh, right. And this is, again, after they've already separated the two divisions. Right. Uh, so I'm just, yeah, I'm... Uh, We'll see how it goes. So can I just predict the name for when they merge? Okay. VWE. VWE. Because it's Ford E and VW will take the E part. The VW Model E. You know. No, I mean VW, the company will be VWE when they Uh, merge with Ford E. Because then they'll still be Ford, the old company, Ford Blue. I don't know. I don't know. No, Ford Blue. Leave your comments down below. What do you think the new company will be called when they merge? FVW? Hey, and if you'd like to share what you just saw with your friends, but you don't want to share a whole long episode, go to our Now You Know Clips channel, subscribe, and hit the bell button so you get notifications. And a whole bunch of our stories are there, all chopped up in bite-sized pieces so you can share. All right, it's time for Into the Future, sponsored by our friends at Henson Shaving. Thank you, Henson. You can use our code to get over 200 shaves for free by using discount code Now You Know when checking out with your brand new Henson Shaver. Your face will thank you. Check this out, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen battery swap stations before. Tesla tried it. Neo is doing it. Mm-hmm. Check this one out. This is a truck battery swap station by Geely. Wait, so that's that's a cement truck? Yeah, that's a that's a big truck. And that's a big battery. And I mean, that's an interesting place to put the battery at the cement truck 
place. <laughs> well, I just mean, uh, you know, a lot of times we're thinking, oh, oh, we want to put the battery in the floor mm-hmm. because the center of gravity uh, and you can make tighter turns. You're driving a cement truck. Right. The center of gravity <laughs> goes out the window <laughs> when you have a giant tank, metal tank full of cement. Right. So I can understand uh, that. And I think that it's a great kind of just you can just drop it right in. Yeah, it takes five minutes, they say. And look, at the top of the building is solar panels. I'm not sure that that fully offsets all the use. It probably no. can't, but at least it's they're trying. Yeah. Well, my kind of question here would be they haven't given any details about how many batteries they can store, mm. how long it takes to charge them, like how many kilowatts has to go into that building to keep everything charged. Sure. But I mean, if we just look at this picture, uh, if, it, if that's like a standard kind of depot mm-hmm. with, you know, 20 trucks, if that can handle 20 trucks, that could be a really cool solution. I feel like this is more of a solution for China. Um, Why? Uh, because that's a lot of cement trucks. Okay. No, I've it been, isn't. I've been driving around my whole life and I've seen the same probably three or four cement trucks driving around our area because uh-huh. there just isn't that much need. You know, sometimes you're pouring a foundation or a pool. That is true. I mean, China's building way faster, but I mean, way faster. <laughs> true. But I mean, it doesn't have to just go on cement trucks. This could be any. Class six truck. No, it's true. I mean, a trash truck, uh, kind of the moving truck. I mean, this would be perfect for trash trucks. Yeah. Because, I mean, we have a depot near us of like 20 trash trucks and they have to go out every day. And, I mean, this would reduce the CO2 and the emissions for all of them. It's a question of whether or not you should just charge the truck or whether it actually makes sense to – because there's a lot of infrastructure. To have a battery swap slash charging station and all of the things that kind of go along with it, it it can be easier to just kind of back the truck up, plug in a fast charger, and, you know, the next day you go out and you pick up the trash. But here's got to be my fear if I own a big company like this is, I mean, you told me it can charge overnight, but what if my guy gets back at two and he can make another run, but the truck's not ready? I lose money. Whereas this, it's like, oh, in five minutes, he's back out on the road. No problem. Yeah, I want to go this way. No, I do. My big question is who pays for this? Is it, you know, Gilly offsets the price so they can sell more trucks or, you know, because I mean, this has got to be pretty expensive. It's true. But I mean, I think that it's really smart. Gilly could offer incentives on this. And honestly, you could start to go to the government and say, hey, uh, you want to have a, a clean economy? Uh, this is a great way to do it. You say, well, we'll we'll offset some of the costs of the battery swap station. And I mean, if government would just help subsidize this, we could get this happening all over the place. All right, it's time for Going Green, brought to you by EcoWare. And uh, you do know that on EcoWare, you don't just get cool t-shirts and stuff, right? You, you can also get honey from our friend Bill at the Rockin' KB Ranch. Hey, Zach and Jesse. Uh, this is our first sunny day above freezing at the Rockin' KB Ranch in over a month. So I thought maybe I'd give you guys uh, a view of what it looks like at my hives this time of year. The key to surviving the winter is leaving 90 to 120 pounds of honey for the bees to consume when there are no food sources available outside the hive. We've done most of our honey and wax processing at this point. Given our desire to operate sustainably, we use electricity from our solar panels where possible to satisfy the energy needs of such processing. And within the next couple of months, as the snow melts and the grass greens and the dandelions start to bloom, I expect our hives will get back down to business and will be hard at work making things for EcoWare to share with all your viewers. Now you know. That's awesome. So excited for this next honey season. Yeah. 
So, I mean, head on over to EcoWare and remember that we offset all of your purchases. We plant trees for every order and we help cap wells with the Well Done Foundation. All right. So let's talk about a fun and exciting topic for a second. Grid fees. Grid fees? I I don't know. First of all, it has the word fee in it. So I already know that you're lying. This is not going to be exciting. Okay. So here's the problem. So much in life that actually affects us are the details, the small things, the things that don't make headlines, but they affect your wallet and your choices. But these details seem so small in relation to the bigger picture that we don't usually take the time to dig down and learn about them. Because let's face it, who has the time to learn about things like grid fees okay i'll bite what are we talking about here okay so french minister for ecological transition barbara pompili announced a plan last week to reduce grid fees for solar pv systems that are up to 500 kilowatts in size to 40 percent of the current grid connection fee but what are grid fees all right let's say you just built a new house and you want to hook it up to the utility grid in addition to all the costs for the physical connections of the utilities wires and meters to your house in many jurisdictions you also have to pay a grid fee, the theory being that you are costing the grid and all of the existing ratepayers an additional cost to provide you with that electricity you're getting. The utility will now have to expand their capacity by building new plants as more people like you hook up to the grid. Okay, so far so good. I, I see why grid fees might be necessary. But here's the thing. Utilities often charge solar customers, customers with solar panels on their roof, the same or even higher grid fees. But why? I mean, aren't solar customers actually helping the grid by producing some of their own power? That's the perfect question to ask. Why? Why would you charge someone who is actually putting less strain on your grid and using less of your service more? Ah, right. Because utilities don't like solar customers because they use less of what the utility sells. Often with net metering, the utility has to pay them. Correct. And it's stories like this from France that reveals the truth. France is a socialist society and say what you want about socialism. But if France is reducing grid fees to encourage more solar. Ipso facto, reducing grid fees is good for encouraging solar. So raising grid fees reduces solar. Right. Pompili is also reducing grid fees for geothermal heat pumps. And to prove my point, she said the connection grid fee can be a break on the deployment of certain small renewable electricity production projects, as well as the installation of heat pumps, the development of which is nevertheless an essential issue in our energy policy. Reducing connection costs will make it possible to speed up their installations, especially in rural areas. This is a concrete step forward in advancing the country's energy transition. So... Uh, why was this happening like last week? This is happening all over Europe right now. France is doing this now to reduce their dependence on Russian fossil fuels. France is also increasing their subsidy for geothermal by a thousand euro and scrapping their subsidies for new gas heaters. And we're seeing this happen in Italy, Germany, the Netherlands, Belgium. It's happening all across Europe because they're like, we have to speed up this transition. All right, it's time for sunspots. Now, as solar installations continue to accelerate around the globe and Europe, people are waking up to more possibilities about secondary benefits of solar panels. Secondary benefits? Well, we've talked about many of them before. Agrivoltaics, for example, where solar panels and farming go hand in hand. Right, because a bit of shade isn't a bad thing for many plant species. Exactly. And you know what else shade is good for? Hammocks. Yes, it's, yeah, it's good for hammocks. Uh, it's also good for canals. Canals? Yeah, the California Department of Water Resources and a bunch of other partners are partnering on a project called Project Nexus, a project to place a mile-long string of solar panel canopies over irrigation water canals in California's San Joaquin Valley. This would be the first solar panels over canals 
in the US. I get why putting solar panels over canals would be a good use of unused space, but what? All right, well, let's let professor of engineering Roger Bales from the University of California explain. He said most of California's rain and snow falls north of Sacramento during the winter, while 80% of its water use occurs in Southern California, mostly in summer. That's why canals snake across the state. It's the largest such system in the world. We estimate that about 1% to 2% of the water they carry is lost to evaporation under the hot California sun. In a 2021 study, we showed that covering all 4,000 miles of California's canals with solar panels would save more than 65 billion gallons of water annually by reducing evaporation. That's enough to irrigate 50,000 acres of farmland or meet the residential water needs of more than 2 million people. Oh, so... A little bit of shade goes a long way. Yeah. I mean, think about how much money that water is worth, like just in terms of money. So it's worth covering the canals with anything. Now, if you can cover them with solar panels where you're making electricity, it's like a win win. Mm -hmm. Hey, and if you'd like to get solar on your house and maybe give yourself a little extra shade, talk to our friends at Energy Pal. They'll help you go solar with batteries for less. They'll answer all your questions and it won't cost you a dime. Check out their link below. Let them know that Zach and Jesse sent you. All right, it's time for a video contributor stories. And hey, we're running out of stories. So please get on your phone, make a two minute story or less, shoot it in landscape and send it to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com and maybe you'll make it on the show. What do we got this week, Jess? Kent shared this video about his electric jet boat conversion. What? Hello, Zach and Jesse. My name's Kent Patterson. I live in Lake Country, BC, Canada. I'm a patron of the show. I've been watching for years. I'm a huge fan. I thought I'd send you a contributor story. We're converting my 1981 jet boat to electric. As you can see by the decals, that there's a theme going on here. It's the same theme as your show. They're both all about Tesla. So I picked up a first generation Tesla Model S rear drive unit and I broke it all apart. Pulled the differential out of it, left with just the motor and inverter. Gonna put them in the back of the boat and couple the motor to the jet drive. Then I've got 14 Tesla battery modules that I'm gonna put in the middle of the boat. And those 14 modules would be putting out a total of 319 volts driving the Tesla motor. And the motor will be putting out a total of 470 peak horsepower. So if anybody wants to follow this project and see how it turns out, you can watch our YouTube channel, Lake Country EV. So back to you, Zach and Jesse, and now you know. Wow, 470 horsepower. Yeah, I subscribed to Kent and I'm watching your progress and a bunch of fun projects you've got going on there. Uh, his YouTube channel is called Lake Country EV and uh, he's not just doing the boat, he's doing an old truck and uh, you know, other EV conversions. Really fun to watch. All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories and uh, this week we've got a couple Now You Know Investor Club bonus stories. On the Patreon bonus stories, we've got a story about new jobs and autonomous driving. A new product from Kawasaki that you'll never guess what it is. And a Model S that can fly. What? And more. Head over to patreon.com slash now you know and support us for just a buck a month and you'll get all of these Patreon bonus stories every week. A Tesla that flies? It's a 
All right, we're back from the Patreon bonus stories. Uh, we had some fun looking at flying Teslas. Uh, who do we have for our Patreon shoutouts this week? We've got Dana Mall, MD, Leonard Phillips, Jared Bennett, Roosevelt Watson, Brett Hanley, Charles Hag, Dave Dobler, Ryan Markham, Michael Barfield, Chris Van Helfteren, Kevin Heisler, Tesla Tom, Chris Robinson, Mark Bonin, Tatsuyo Okaya, Scott J, Richard, Go Green DTLA, Valerie R, Haytham Albeck, Terrell Prince, Mika Keski Hakila, Chris Horvath, and Derek Stringer. Thank you so much for supporting us. We can't do this show without you. All right, so we had a poll, and this is because I see this news article like every day now oh um, for like months, and it's like, Tesla's working on a new phone. And then, and then I read the article like, oh, wow, there must be a new tweet I missed. And then it's always, nope, nope, nope. Right. Oh, so you're not. Yeah. So do you think Tesla's secretly working on a phone? And most people say no. And they are ready for this story to die as much as we are. Um, 20 people do think that they are working on a phone. So it's not that I wouldn't love it, but it just because I want to really, you know, something that I don't know. Um, yeah. Elon said that they're not. I don't know. I don't know how many other things he said that he's not working on that he secretly was working on. Also, we're running another poll this week. Uh, what do you think is going to be in the master plan part three? Mm. Um, yeah. So, so go join us on Patreon and answer that. Yeah. All right, it's time for Community Mail Time. Community Mail Time. Remember that you can share your stories at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. We would love to see photos and videos of your solar systems on your roof, and we actually have some this week. So Navas sent us these pictures of the Hummer EV at the Makem Auto Auction in Glendale, Arizona in March. Andreas in Switzerland writes to tell us about the Model Y police car on duty now in the canton of St. Gallen, Switzerland. And the first all-electric car transporter from Swiss electric truck manufacturer Designwork. This 680-horsepower truck has a 900-kilowatt-hour battery pack and plans to cover 450 kilometers a day and charge overnight at speeds of 350 kilowatts. Andreas, please get us some footage of that truck in action. Yeah, 450 kilometers a day? That's insane. So I asked and Greg answered. He said, you asked for some photos of solar systems. Here is my 17 kilowatt system in Pennsylvania consisting of 50 panels at 340 watts each. Also attached are screenshots of a few apps. One from AP Systems, who makes my microinverters. And from a few days ago, the DC side. Two, another screenshot from my solar log meter that reports my SREX, uh, the AC side. And SREX are the solar credits you get. So he's getting paid to put that on his roof. And three, a screenshot from the Emporia Energy Monitor on my circuit panel that shows net usage from grid including solar production and solar delivered to grid these are all from the same sunny day on march 4th before the equinox i made over 80 kilowatt hours that day in early march in the summer the system can make over 100 to 110 kilowatt hours in a day wow i mean just for context right. um a model x battery that's what he can fill up in a day wow it's amazing it's it's amazing and I just wish everyone's roof had that much solar on it. Like, yeah. there's still parts of his roof that don't have solar on them. No, no. If you packed it full of solar, I'm pretty sure he'd be good. Lego ZEV sent us these pictures of their solar system. Uh, it's a SunPower 10.1 kilowatt system with X21 series panels, Tesla gateway and generator shutdown, solar powerwall panel, mail panel, and Tesla inverter, and four powerwalls. Check that out, huh? Wow. Yeah. Tim sent us these pictures of the EV1 he saw in Australia. Remember the GM EV1 that got crushed? Well, yeah. they they forgot about this one when they closed down their Holden plant a few years ago. They they were going through some old warehouses and they found it in the back. It was now here for testing. So uh, funny how car companies can just lose cars. 
Steve sent us this picture of an R1T he spotted. He said, hey, Zach and Jesse, my son and I spotted this Rivian in the wild at South Lake Tahoe, California, near the Nevada border. White stripe on the mountains in the background is the gondola going to the top of Heavenly Ski Area. We need more snow, obviously. I love watching your unbiased, fact-filled show. Very good reporting. Keep up the good work. That's from Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Holger in Austria wrote to tell us, I drove to Ukraine and brought some goods here to help and took back two grannies, one kid and one cat to safety in Austria. Thanks to free supercharging, which my Model S has. Also, a lot of other Tesla drivers all over Europe are doing the same. As you reported, superchargers near the borders are free for all EVs. Wow. Thank you, Holger, for doing that. And Edrin shared this EV6 in France at Le Grand de Rue, Garde France. All right, it's time for supercharger reviews. Let's see what's out there in the world. Hey, Zach and Jesse. It's Phil from Dryden, Ontario in Canada. Here at the six stall version three superchargers. Uh, around me, I have uh, not a whole lot of a selection, but there's a Tim Hortons across the street, just over there. And there's a grocery store over there. And then there's a Walmart and a convenience store place to use the washroom. Um, yeah, this is, a, this is a good spot. I give it a, uh, I would say a eight out of 10. It's on the Trans-Canada Highway, so it's an ideal location. Now you know. Hey, Zach and Jesse, this is Lawrence. I'm at the 20 stall supercharger here in Beaumont, California. Uh, it is right next to an In-N-Out burger, which is pretty famous here in Southern California. Um, it's in a shopping plaza that's got just about anything you need. Uh, other places to eat if you want. There's uh, groceries. There across the street is a Walmart. I mean, it's got any, anything you need pretty much here. Banking very close to the 210, right off the 210 freeway. Beaumont is a, li a little farther midway between LA and Palm Springs, which is where we're headed. We always stop here to grab some food at In-N-Out, great hamburgers. Uh, usually we stop and we charge when we had our Model X. Uh, it'd be a great place to charge, but now we have the Model S Plaid, brand new. Um, yet but uh, with the longer range you don't need to stop now we don't need to stop and charge so we just stop and eat and we thought we'd make this video for you guys and I'm hoping you guys can come out and uh, give a review of the Model S Plaid here we'll, we're in Palm Springs and if you're ever in Southern California that area come stop by and uh, take it for a test drive so I give it a 10 out of 10 and now you know Isaac and Jesse, we're out here in Ogallala, Nebraska at the 8-stall uh, version 2 superchargers. Uh, but, uh, in front of us here we have a hotel. Uh, over here is a McDonald's. McDonald's. Uh, but the best part is over here, we got this little playground area right there. And so, and there's another, there's a lake over there too. Uh, so because of that, I'm gonna give this a six out of 10. Now you know. Hi, Zach and Jesse. 
I'm Dario from the United Kingdom and I'm on holiday in Spain near Ondara. Last week you mentioned that the new Tesla supercharger was open. Well, here it is. This is the eighth stall Tesla supercharger near Ondara. It's at the Marina shopping outlet, which has a very large uh, outlet with lots of food stores in there. For out of hours, there's a Burger King over there. There's a KFC and there's some other food outlets here anyway. So this is an H store, 250 kilowatt. I don't actually have a Tesla, I'd like to have one one day, but at the moment I'm here on my motorcycle. So now you know. Thank you so much for doing supercharger reviews. We have a map of all the supercharger reviews that we've ever received. We're the only ones, I think. You can you can go look at that map, video um, map. It's on our website. It's called nowyouknowchannel.com. Um, you can look at that for free. All right, what do we got for new superchargers that have gone online? There's a lot this week, so. Nice. Here we go. Number 39 in Hong Kong is the six stall at Plaza 88 in Hong Kong. The five stall in Shaiyi Shengpu Barn in Taiwan. Number 46 in Taiwan is the three stall at Tainyan at the Dongshan service area in Taiwan. The eight stall in Buyeo, South Korea. The nine stall in Sejong, South Korea. Number 145 in Canada is the 12 stall in Burnaby, British Columbia. Number 13 in Finland is the four stall in Rovaniemi, Finland. Number 20 in Missouri is the eight stall at Cape Girdeau in Missouri. Number 36 in Illinois is the eight stall at Tynan, Marion, Illinois. Number 273 in California is the 12 stall at La Mesa, California. Number 11 in Alabama is the 16 stall at Leeds, Alabama. Number 13 in Iowa is the 8 stall in Walcott, Iowa. The 8 stall at Montanero di Bisaccia, Italy. Number 52 in Italy is the 8 stall in Bardoneccia, Italy. The 6 stall at Gwangyo Central in South Korea. Number 69 in South Korea is the 3 stall at Pangyo at Baikun A, South Korea. Number 46 in Virginia is the 4 stall at Exmoor, Virginia. Number 28 in Arizona, number 1301 in the U.S., number 3318 in the world is the 16 stall in Glendale, Arizona. Wow, there's a lot of superchargers. <laughs> All right, it's time for comment of the week. And uh, Lucas says, you cannot buy a Polestar at a Volvo dealership or any dealership for that matter. Remember during our Patreon bonus stories last week, I was talking about how it's great with Polestar because you can buy them at Volvo dealerships. And that's because we were talking to Micah Burdale. He's the founder of Jules. It's a startup company in New York. You can go see our interview uh, here um, over on the Disruptive Investing Channel. He said one reason he was so interested in the Polestar for his company was that he's been in talks with Polestar and that the existing Volvo dealerships and service centers can all service Polestars. So I thought, ipso facto, you could buy them there, but you can't. So he's right. You can get them serviced at Volvo, but you can't buy them at Volvo. Where you can buy them is online, like with the Tesla. And then you go to a Polestar space. So in the U.S., by the end of this year, there will be about 35 of them. Um, and you pick it up there, but you cannot buy it at a Volvo yes, dealership. I was driving past a Volvo dealership and I saw. That's because that, that. for three months before they got all these sites up and running, they were using Volvo dealerships to buy them, but not for long. Okay. And I think that's because the dealers don't really want to sell them, but they don't mind servicing I, them. No, and you know what? I think that that could be a smart strategy because, yeah, any Ford dealer is going to not really want to sell you an electric. Any We've seen this. I went to the Nissan dealership to buy my Nissan Leaf, and I was like, I want to buy a Nissan Leaf, please. And they're like, you don't want to look at a Sentra? And I was like, no. How about a Rogue? <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> I would like to buy a Nissan Leaf, please. And they were like, they drive like golf carts. <laughs> Don't you want a Rogue? 
don't you do you want the extended warranty that'll cover your muffler and stuff and i was like my car doesn't have a muffler so no how about your transmission yeah so it was uh yeah. I, and so I, I yeah i think that it's smart for polestar to be opening these things it's a I understand you're going through a transition period and that's going to be a little complicated. Um, but overall, I think it shows to, you their problems they have, though, is that their dealer network true. doesn't even like the cars they sell. It's, right. It's a problem. Uh, but I do think that it's smart that they're following Tesla's lead where it's like, yeah, uh, why would people want to buy a car at a dealership and you can buy it online? And I love that we get educated by our patrons. Like, thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. We don't get everything right. We're not perfect. So yeah. thank you so much for that. And thank you to everyone who's scrolling by here. These are our patrons who support us for $5 or more a month. And it's what makes the show possible. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just no way. This is like a full-time job for five people. Mm -hmm. And there's no way that we could do this without your support. So if you'd like to be on the end credits here, and if you want to maybe an executive producer credit, go over to Patreon, check out the perks. We got lots of cool perks, including mugs, including Patreon polls. Like, go check it out. You're going to love what you find there. We've got the Investor Club over there. Um, we have an Investor Club Slack group. So there's a there's a uh, like over 1,800 members over on there. We're talking about all sorts of different investment opportunities over there. So it's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. And we have the Investor Club bonus stories that we talk about every week. Right. Um, we usually have multiple ones of those every week because we're just like, you know what? I want talk about this and you get to meet a lot of ceos and founders of companies and we bring you those videos first before anyone else sees them so it's a lot of great perks over there yeah and i want to thank all of our patrons for making it possible um uh, we this show you might be watching and thank you so much for watching to the end you know hit the like button subscribe but it, it's the patrons who made this show possible and if if you've made it to the end of the show and you either don't want to be a patron or you can't afford to be a patron that's totally fine just why don't you go down to the comments section and just thank the patrons for making this show possible because uh, it just i we couldn't do it without them yep. so thank you patrons we'll see you guys next week now, now you know. know save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get 16 ounce packs of flavorful angus 90 percent lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious coca-cola pepsi or seven up all with your card Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.